Chapter Six of *The Quiet Flame* by Eva K. Betts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. The Girls' Home. It was from Doctor Arning that Mother Mary Ann learned the sad news. Father Damien, who by his strength of soul and body had dragged the leper colony on Molokai up from the depths, was now himself infected. His death was most likely a matter of only a short time. His work among the tragic people had been tireless, and his accomplishments were unbelievably great. But there was still much to do, and his strength was going. The situation on Molokai was bad. It was used as a place of banishment, a sort of penal colony, for lepers who were lawbreakers. Mixed in with the brave and fine sufferers, there were opium addicts, gamblers, drunkards, even murderers. These made conditions hard for everyone, and doubly underscored the fact that little girls not yet diseased should certainly be removed before they were infected physically and morally. Branch Hospital was now operating with a degree of smoothness. The home for girls must be pushed along. On November ninth, 1885, it was ready. Advertisements had run in the Honolulu papers seeking a woman to act as matron in the new home, but there had been no takers. Mother Mary Ann appointed gentle sister Martha to take charge. The two-story building was bright and pretty, but bringing the girls from Molokai to accept its welcome offered grave problems. Although the parents knew that their still healthy daughters would become diseased if they continued living at home, they bitterly resented having the children taken from them. The girls, for their part, had been allowed to run wild and were absolutely without discipline. They did not relish the idea of being subjected to any the Capulani home was boycotted. One man killed the guard who had come to remove his two daughters, but in spite of parental protest the girls were taken to the home. And what girls they were! When we get cross with our parents, and we don't like to do what they say, one snapping-eyed youngster told Sister Martha, we go away. Where do you go? We go mountains. How do you live? There was scorn in the young face. Plenty berries, leaves, we know how. And then what? We get tired, our parents feel sorry, we come home. There was a pause. We don't like here, we run away, too. For some time all went well. The girls were interested in exploring their new home. It had big windows and wide glass doors to admit plenty of light and air. Two dormitories and a room for Sister Martha occupied the second floor, while the first was made up of a kitchen, a dining-room, and a classroom. The king and queen, accompanied by Mr. Gibson, came to the formal opening of the home. The girls were fascinated by the pageantry of the occasion. Lilia, the oldest of the girls, and quite a beauty, almost wept when a lace-trimmed satin cushion, bearing the keys of the home, was formally presented to mother. Mare and Mari, daughters of the unfortunate murderer, were delighted with the delicious foods served at the party which followed. Five-year-old Annie, everybody's pet, fluttered from one group to the other, enjoying every minute. There was just one, thirteen-year-old Maka, who, while she accepted everything offered her, seemed never to be part of anything. Even though all the girls seemed to look up to her, she kept strangely aloof from them as from everyone else. From the beginning Maka interested Sister Martha. She was easily taught in her classes, when she felt like paying attention. She learned very quickly to play the piano, then suddenly lost all interest. And where Maka went, the others followed. What she liked, they approved, 
and what she disliked they detested through sheer force of personality she was a leader and she was headstrong the best part of a year had gone by when one morning a troubled frightened sister martha hurried to mother mary ann mother she said seven of the girls are missing missing seeing sister so deeply upset mother was doubly calm in an effort to help her well we'll find them they can't have gone far they looked first in all the obvious places and then in less likely ones it was plain that the girls could not have scaled the high tight board fence that enclosed the hospital grounds and the padlock on the gate had not been tampered with mother if i had not been asleep this would not have happened poor sister martha was distraught oh come sister you must have sleep you're human you know and not an angel yet mother's eyes twinkled for a moment and the funny little smile everyone loved curled the corners of her mouth but both went quickly to begin the search for the matter was serious these girls had been confided to their care against the parents wishes in many cases the sisters simply couldn't lose seven of them at noon their search still fruitless mother called their kind friend mr gibson and told him of the bewildering affair in the afternoon he came with some of the hawaiian police to help in the search the men reinvestigated all the places the sisters had been and thought of others at the water's edge were great balls of seaweed left by the tide the men carefully took these apart but found no girls inside they crawled under low bushes and climbed to swaying treetops no girls at last the men left don't worry mother said mr gibson when night comes and they get hungry and cold they'll come back i hope and pray that is true said mother in a distressed voice but come from where they certainly do not seem to be here and they do not see how they could have got outside well if they did and i don't see how either they will be found very quickly the honolulu police will be watching for them and since they are strangers to the city it will be easy to spot them there was little sleep in the convent that night and the next day was heavy with depression each time the telephone rang mother grabbed it eagerly hoping it brought word of the runaways it never did nor was there word the next day or the next night father leonore came out from the city several times to offer his help over and over again every possible and impossible hiding place was searched and heaven was bombarded with prayers police had combed city streets and climbed the mountains miles and miles of beach were examined in case the girls had gone for a swim and been swept away at first little annie had been most solicitous consoling sister martha and helping mother search then she became silent the nuns thought she was lonely for her friends but on the third day she broke down i know where they are she told mother you do annie when did you find out i knew all the time mother was stunned would she ever understand these people in their way of thinking why didn't you tell me before annie you knew how worried your friend sister martha and i both were why didn't you tell us annie looked somewhat abashed but not overcome the girls like go and maka say i not tell so i not tell but now i think is long enough mother shook her head sister martha she called come here if you will annie wants to tell us where the girls are bewildered sister martha came i'll show you said annie 
she trotted stolidly out followed by the two wondering sisters across the corner of the yard she went and up to one of the wide verandaed buildings there she said pointing behind a thick bush but annie mother was a little exasperated was a naughty child playing tricks there is no one behind that bush it couldn't have hidden seven girls with the controlled patience teachers sometimes show to slow pupils annie stepped forward and pointed to the ground behind the bush the nun spied a slight depression in the earth below the lattice under the veranda it looked about large enough to admit a cat or a small rabbit mother stooped down and peered through the trellis in the cobwebby gloom she could make out seven small forms stretched full length on the ground there would have been no room to sit up mother sent sister martha hurrying to bring some help in removing the lattice and they had to help the girls out too cold exhausted from three days with little food or water gray with weakness and dirt they were completely unrepentant we wanted away was their only explanation Maka said she would take us we went weren't you very hungry mother asked oh no every night lilia and annie brought us things from the table lilia and annie the two most dependable girls in the group or so the sisters had always thought there was a vital bond between the girls mother realized that no stranger however beloved could interfere with father leonore who had given maka a lovely prayer book because of her docility and cooperation was furious when he learned that she had been ringleader in the exodus he scolded her severely and she promised not to do it again she didn't need to repeat herself because any time the spirit moved her her fertile mind produced new ways to make trouble even so bit by bit the girls were adjusting to the difficult ways of civilization though they accepted the imposed rules of cleanliness and order they remained wild and unfettered mentally needing at intervals to prove that rules are not for them unless they wish to accept them at such times even mother mary ann whom they all loved and wanted to please found them almost impossible to cope with in the fall of eighteen eighty six she had new matters to concern her mr gibson came to mother's office one day evidently disturbed about something he was aging rapidly and mother worried for him not only because his health seemed to be failing but because of rumors she had heard he was very close to the king and queen who knew that in him they had an honest friend whose advice was always sound this made many hawaiians jealous and their anger was further stirred by mr gibson's support of father damien and now of the sisters however it was not this enmity that bothered the good man on this particular day but something quite different father damien has just come to honolulu mr gibson said we don't know what to do with him i don't understand said mother well the boat will not be going back for a week and in the meantime we have no place for him he cannot of course stay at the mission in honolulu and why couldn't he stay here with us asked mother we can make him comfortable more so than he has been for the past sixteen years i dare say i don't like to impose on you mr gibson said but it would be a wonderful solution to the problem don't talk about imposing mr gibson we will be proud and honored to have father damien with us are you sure you already have so many responsibilities it will be helpful to be sure but mr gibson mother mary ann's eyes were bright don't talk as if we were doing you a favor 
we will be glad to return some of your many kindnesses to us of course but in this case we are not it is we who are being given the favour she held up her hand to still further protest from mr gibson then she rose from the chair behind her desk come along with me i'll show you the rooms i have in mind for him these two large rooms which are part of the gatehouse can be turned over to his use mother explained as they neared the building they have their own entrance see we'll fix one room up as a little chapel and he can have the other as a sleeping room mr gibson beamed mother this is wonderful ideal if you need furniture if there's anything i can do can send will you call on me mother mary ann smiled and agreed to let him help in any way he could gracefully and graciously she showed him out she had work to do mother never seemed to hurry there was never a sense of rush about her yet few people could keep up with her when she started on a project and she was determined that when father damien arrived his room would be ready and an altar prepared for daily mass as if by magic a cheerful rug a nice bed a comfortable chair were found and taken to the guest's room fresh mosquito netting was put in place then in the next room an altar was prepared a well-scrubbed table covered with mother mary ann's finest linen cloth then very excited they waited for father damien to arrive they had of course heard tales of his great strength his tall youthful vigour his drive when he arrived they were dismayed his purplish skin thick pendulous ears swollen nose and bloodshot eyes showed that the disease was progressing rapidly but even so the drive was still there so too was the gentle kindness and childlike gratitude that so endeared him to his people he commented with appreciation on each detail of the preparations which had been made for him except it with sweetness the small comforts supplied but most of all he was grateful for the opportunity to talk with mother mary ann for years the good priest had longed to have sisters in his colony and now as his end drew near he was more than ever anxious to have them come to see them established before his final summons came during the week he waited for the boat to take him back for the last time father damien and mother mary ann had many long talks they were agreed from the beginning on the need for having sisters in Molokai. The only problem was when and how they should get there, a problem that seemed insoluble. But Mother Mary Ann felt that her call was to work on the island. She was willing to trust God to get her there. End of chapter 6